May I welcome you to episode 71 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my guest began within the industry, like many, working as a porter during college summer holidays, and has completed over 25 years' service for the remover he started with. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story. In fact, three. My guest this episode is Edward Kessel, Removals Manager of Martells of Sutton. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Ed. Welcome to Moving Matters. How are you this afternoon? I'm well, thank you. Uh, enjoying the sun. Good, good. Can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Yeah, so uh, I'm Ed Kessel. I live in East Grinstead in Sussex with my wife and two teenage children. Been with Martells pretty much all my working career, uh, over 25 years. We're based in East Grinstead. So how did you get started within the industry with Martells? So like a few and uh, maybe like many, I fell into the job a little bit by accident. I was completing my A-levels at school, finished for the summer holidays. My mum came home and told me she'd seen an advert in a shop window in the town and told me I was working the next day as a removals porter. You had no choice? No real choice. (laughs) Things were a bit different back then. You know, no interview, no induction. Turn up, keep quiet, and off you go. And children did what their parents were told. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, the next day I, I... I arrived at Martell's, slightly intimidated, I think, by some of the bigger removal boys who I'd seen from the pubs. But, uh, and really, that's where it started. And fortunately, I still work to this day with the foreman on that day who showed me the ropes. Really? He's now our company estimator. Wow. So, yeah, a long while ago, but uh, a happy start. That first summer, I worked uh, casual basis. I suppose these days you call it a zero hours contract, but it wasn't yep. then. If you were back in time, you went to the office, you got your £25 in an envelope, and back you were the next day. And £25 would cover you for an 8, a 10, 12, however long a day it was. That was that. Wow. Daily rates, even in those days. Yeah, daily rates. Pound notes. It was through the books, but pound notes in an envelope. Yeah. So that first summer was casual. I went off to university in the autumn, doing a management degree. And fortunately, in the first spring of my degree, Martell wrote a letter to me at university asking if I would uh, work full-time the next summer, which I gratefully accepted that. And so the same work university pattern happened for the next few years. University, drinking, accruing debt, (laughs) summer working removals, trying to pay some of it back and maybe earn a little bit in savings. And that was the way it was. Just occasionally, I'd go and help out the crews on a night out. I was in Sheffield. So if the boys were up in the north, Sheffield Way, I'd happily volunteer to go and help them as an extra and meet up and go for some beers. I was lucky back then. I had a seven and a half ton license because uh, you did. Yeah. So I was, I think I was a pretty useful addition to the crew for the summer holidays back then. Back then it was very seasonal. 
summer was always busy, maybe more so than now. It was interesting back then driving the lorries, the old lorries. I'd never driven anything but a family car. And there you are, given the keys for this Bedford 330, no power steering, holes in the floor, gearbox. Well, you didn't know what you were in, to be honest. It was just this wavy stick in front of you and a, a slightly dodgy air tanks, I do remember. But um, I think I learned if you could manoeuvre that with a full load on it, two things. Firstly, you'd have arms like Popeye pretty soon. <laughs> and you'd be pretty much set up to drive any vehicle, really. And that's what I did for those summer years. So you completed your degree? Yes, I did. I, I got a degree in um, recreation and tourism management. Handy in removals. Well, you know, I like to think so. <laughs> My dad always teased me that I would be the next Mr. Britus. <laughs> Younger listeners may not know, but uh, there we go. But anyway, yes, after I graduated, straight back to work because needed the money. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Just earn some money. So that's what I did and carried on. I think probably within a year or two, Charlie Martell, he sort of said, you know, what about do your HGV license? I was reluctant at the time, thinking, uh, you know, I needed to get a proper graduate job, but was quite enjoying what I was doing. So I had quite a few conversations with my parents, hard-hitting conversations at the time. (laughs) And then the penny dropped and actually, you know, why not? Let's give it a go. So I started then, did my HGV. And pretty much spent my early 20s living a a good life as a removal man, doing all the nights away, traveling all over the country, Europe, drinking, kebab shops. (laughs) And also, I like to think I was doing a pretty good job as well. So that was my younger days. And after a few years doing the moves, you know, I like to think I had a bit of potential, started going out, doing some quotes taking a bit of an interest in BAR matters, the area meetings, going to those. And then um, sort of without really planning it, the opportunity came about to do the estimating course and then the management courses, which uh, back then by the TMI Institute, back at the old BAR headquarters in, in Harrow, I think it was at the time. Wow, those are the days. Yeah. And that ultimately led, I got my, did the management program, got the transport manager CPC qualifications and shortly after that was was asked by the Martel's family to to look after the day-to-day running of the removals side of the business and I was a named transport manager on the O license. Wow. So yeah that's kind of where we are now so. Don't you find though this industry once you get into it you just don't want to leave and you can't leave? Very much so. It is a love or hate thing yeah and you've got to be a particular type but um now, the variety, I think, is one of the things that yeah. keeps our staff and me interested. Good days, bad days, but a lot of days are very different. How can we get that across to newcomers? That is a tough one. New starters and staff recruitment retention is difficult. I was having this conversation with another staff member, and you know, if there's 100 people, there might be 10 that are suited to removals. Yeah, It's hard work. Uh, which is a big thing, especially these days. But those ones that do get the bug and show a bit of common sense, a bit of get up and go, they're excellent. All the removal companies out there are built on those staff, I think. Yeah, and on hot days like today, I hope they're all getting ice creams and plenty of water given them by their customers, I can tell you. Yeah, I mean, you think back to last summer, those days when it was 40 degrees. I know. 
that was I had to sit in the office because it was just too hot outside. Very, very hard work, that job. Very mm. hard work. So can you tell everybody about Martels and the services they offer? Yeah, Martels, we're a pretty diverse company, really. It's family owned and run, been trading since 1917. The origins of the company are in the retail sector, actually, specifically a pram and bedstead shop in the Elephant and Castle in London. Wow. And to this day, the company continues in the retail sector. We've got a department store in East Grinstead. Trading is tough at the moment in the high street, as well publicised, and um, it is some tough trading times. We've got a number of properties that we let in the private rental sector, and that has developed quite a bit over the last five years. We've got some commercial premises that we rent for storage and office space. And then for me, I look after the removals, storage, shipping side of things. And we pretty much, we offer all the traditional services of a removal company, a domestic, European, commercial, overseas, all types of storage, and try to meet the needs of our local community. Which I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. We're not a large company. Uh, We've got a mixed fleet, six trucks and vans, 15 full-time staff in the removal side of things, a few more students in the summer months, including my two teenage children, which can be fun. (laughs) How are they enjoying it? Yeah, they they do enjoy it. They've been well-groomed almost. (laughs) They've got the right attitude, so they're not shy of doing some hard work. They'll learn the skills as we all do as they go along. But, um, you know, they quite enjoy including my teenage daughter. You know, you don't have many removal ladies. No, that's particularly. true. So the customers quite like that. The lads like a bit of change, but she'll get stuck in. And um, as will my son, you know, they're both just finished exams. So they're yeah. brewing up to start work next week. Brilliant. Vehicle-wise, wide range in, in vehicles. We spec our vehicles with certain features to help us do moves and more unusual items for example we've got two three ton three meter tower lifts that we use for heavier items be it uh, x-ray equipment that we put into the tennis at Wimbledon for the championships there oh wow x-ray equipment to the golf to the British Open it's quite surreal when you know I used to do this myself you're driving an 18 ton truck across the fairway at St Andrews to get to a little (laughs) pop-up shed shelter that is uh, off a public footpath that they have to put an x-ray machine on because it's potentially an entrance point to the course. So we do all sorts. Storage is very important to us. We've recently expanded our self-store and as I say, it's probably the easiest way to earn some decent money. Containerized storage, that stays steady. We actually use a steel fire-safe waterproof 250 cubic foot container we moved over to those from the wooden boxes 20 years ago or so yeah one of the only few companies i think in the uk to have done some the steel prices back then were a bit more favorable so they're they are very expensive now they are very robust they're a bit heavier granted yeah but they're more secure they're lockable and any customer that comes in and has a look we show them the warehouse and another movers that come and do jobs to us yeah. they're pretty impressed when they see them so uh yeah overall i'd like to think we do a, a pretty good job for our clients who i would say in the main are prepared to pay the appropriate fee for a quality service we're happy to do any work for anybody but um 
those that are wholly driven by price quite often don't move with us. Yeah, yeah. So your self-store? Yeah. Is that with the self-storage rooms or is that with the shipping containers? Self-storage rooms and we've got some shipping containers as well. Oh. We've got about 280 rooms, Yeah. probably over 20,000 square foot. Wow. And as I say, it's the easiest money you can earn without the blase because there's the door, there's the key. Quite often you never see customers. And are your customers in the self-storage, are they mainly commercial or are they domestic? Because I know as a country, we like to hoard things. Yeah, very much a domestic. And quite a few of those that you say, you know, they you feel a little sorry sometimes for them, but hey, business is business. (laughs) We can't throw things away, can we, generally speaking? No. And a lot of the time people bring it in themselves because it's a cheaper option in their eyes multiple trips in the estate car or whatever yeah and then the thought of taking it out for you know what is relatively a small amount maybe 100 150 pounds a month they leave it they just i'll oh, put it off put it off yeah. or they ask us to move it out happy days all round. yeah yeah win-win mm. so what challenges have you had to overcome then ed challenges i think we all face similar challenges in this industry maybe some a few more prevalent in the current market and trading conditions. Finding staff continues to be difficult. We're often touted by temp agency companies for porters and things. And as I say to them, I don't really want a driver. I want a removal man who can drive. And there are not many of them out there. There's just not many people out there. Staffing pressures, especially over the last few years, maybe due to Brexit, Certainly one of the reasons has has increased. Cost of living crisis is well publicised. Wage pressures. I think people are quite open now coming forward saying they want some more money. And that's fine if we can afford to give them some more, if they justify it. It's got to be charged out there. And ultimately the customer has to pay. So prices are, are only going the same way as wages. Yeah, and quite rightly so. Indeed. You know, there, there's a lot of talk of, During the the COVID boom, we're all enjoying bumper times and prices were high and how everybody should be encouraged to keep prices up and at where they should be to earn a decent living. We're very much of that philosophy, always have been. We want to earn a decent margin on the work we do. And costings is, is very important, charging accordingly. I think with the staff as well, these days they're they're less inclined to want to spend days and nights away from homes, sleeping in a sleeper pod when it's 25 degrees outside, or, you know, they're quite posh, the facilities I think we have in the sleeper pods compared to when I was a youngster, but even still, (laughs) they're not so keen to do it. And I think as well, they don't, this is not all staff, but some, they don't necessarily want to earn extra. They want to have enough coming in on their basic wage to be comfortable. Yeah. Some want to earn the extra and do the overtime, weekends, whatever, but a lot aren't that bothered now. Are you finding that a lot also don't want to do nights out? They don't want to do the the sort of like the nationwide removals. They just want to do the local of, I'll come in at seven in the morning or whenever and I'll leave and go home when the job's done rather than I need to now travel up to Edinburgh, for example. Some and some. Yeah. And I get it, the people with younger families, for sure, you know, two, three, four nights. Their partners may well work, so childcare's a problem. But yes, there are some that aren't that fussed. We've had to incentivize 
bonus schemes effectively to carry on with some of the staff to do the nights away. Really? Which again has to be priced into the job. Yeah, interesting. So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? Yeah, that's a it's a difficult one. You know, nothing really sticks out as a major major issues from my past. Certainly some hard lessons have been learnt along the way. <laughs> more often than not, when we've been stung by non payment. Oh, that's a horrible one. Yeah, you know, lessons learnt. You know, I see this on a number of forums. It's still an ongoing issue with prepayment and some do, some don't. We always have done, but there's always the odd exception where something uh, yeah. slips through, company might go bust or for whatever reason. And they they can be hard to take those lessons, but yeah. they just remind you constantly, right, this is why we do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your high point of being in the industry? Yeah, I think of this in sort of two parts, really. Professionally, I'm pretty proud of being, um, I'm chairman of the National Council, BAR at the moment, halfway through my two-year tenure, which gives me a seat on the BAR board. You know, I'm therefore part of the team that discuss, plan, implement strategies for the future of the association. And I feel pretty proud to be doing that. And then from a personal point of view, I think back to the the quotes and the jobs and the moves that I've secured and, and done. And more often than not, you think back to the, the big and the posh, the expensive, some of those jobs. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've traveled extensively over Europe both doing jobs and going out in a sort of supervisory role to oversee jobs. And I suppose one of the highlights was going out to the Cayman Islands for a week to oh, um, nice. to oversee unloading three high cube containers into a pretty snazzy beach house property being put up for the week. Here's your car. Here's the flat, that restaurant. Do whatever you want there. It's all on the bill. The end of each day, a colleague of mine who went out there, we would go snorkeling for an hour or two just to de-stress. Oh, wow. And on the last day, we'd finished early, so we managed to hire some jet skis, go out, uh, and in the Cayman Islands, there's a place called Stingray City, out in the sort of reef, go wow. swimming with the stingrays. And you just sit back and think, this is not a bad life. I'm doing a house removal on a yeah. night away in the Cayman Islands. Wow. Shame that doesn't happen on a more regular basis. I, I would love it if it did. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet you didn't even think twice when you got asked if you'd do that. Definitely. <laughs> the difficulty would be who else comes with me, because I'd definitely be going. <laughs> so BAR National Councillor. Yes, I'm the uh, Sussex Area National Councillor. have been for over a decade. Took over from uh, Roger Martel. And I'll do my bit there. And as I said before, I'm currently chairman of the national group. So what does that involve exactly? So the national group is made up of all the different BAR areas. And yep. they all have a representative mm -hmm. that sit on the national group council. We meet three times a year, sometimes Zoom, sometimes in person. Yep. And bring matters from the, from the association, from the members to the council. And then take matters to the board. Right. It's the conduit, I guess, for the membership to get matters to the board. It's not perfect and it has its own issues, but it, it's good. And it works at the end of the day. Yes, until a better solution is found, it certainly does. It is difficult to get engagement from all the BAR membership. Yeah, yeah. 
always has been, always will be. Yeah. There's a number of people that don't engage for whatever reason. There we go. I'm not there to judge that. But for those that do and want to, uh, you know, we, we discuss removal matters. We help each other out. And yeah. it's not very often I don't come back from a, a national council meeting or a board meeting or even an area meeting where I haven't picked something up. Hmm. Oh, they're doing it that way. There's an idea. Schemes that can work. Ideas that we can pass on to each other. We're competitors with our local BAR members, but we're also, we get on pretty well. That's another fascinating thing about this industry. Everybody is there to help one another, but we all compete against each other. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But then we should be competing, not necessarily on price, but on service. Absolutely. Because if you've been out to do a survey, you may have seen something completely different to somebody else. Yeah. There's always fluctuations in a survey, you know, People could see job as a three-man job. I could see it as a four-man yeah. job. Yeah. And therefore, the price point's very different. Or you might see it as a two-day job and someone else will see it as a one-day job. Whereas yeah. you're like, well, if we do it two days, it'll be less stressful. We'll get your crew in there. We'll pack up everything that we can. But we'll leave you with your necessities for an overnight stay. And then we'll come back in the following morning, load up, and off we go. Yeah, that exactly what you just explained is, is a, a more and more, I think, popular way of doing moves. Yeah. A one-day move has now become a three-day move. You go in the day before, clear the decks, as you say, less staff, yeah. less time pressures. People can leave us to it. Completion day, a smaller amount, balance on and off. If there's a delay with keys, it's not too much of a negative impact. And you come back the next day once they're settled and unload and set them up and do yeah. whatever's needed. And we've been doing that for years, and I know it's more and more popular. Yeah, definitely. So what one thing would you change within the moving industry? You can change more than one if you want. Okay. Is there a main one? There's a couple of, well, there's a few bits, but uh, I think for me, I would like to see, and it might be controversial, more regulation for the three and a half ton sector. We operate a mixed fleet, including three and a half ton vans. We are pretty responsible with our three and a half ton vans. We get them about as small as you can have them overloading being a, a main concern yeah i would like to see some form of regulation that brings them up to the same standard as the o license vehicles maybe not the full same standard but something being yeah. a tachograph for example to limit the hours that they can drive or periodic maintenance there should be a requirement to have these vans inspected maybe not every eight ten weeks whatever people do but we do them every three months, quarterly. Yeah, It raises standards, it increases safety, and it, you know, that unfair advantage that some people get by using the vehicles that aren't regulated, I think needs to be brought in line. Yeah, yeah. It is hopefully coming because you can't go to Europe now in a three and a half ton van without it being on a no license. Oh. So... The basis is there. When can we have that in the UK? Indeed. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is, how it could be implemented. It seems that we have different ministers for different departments, quite frequently changing ministers. So for the DVSA to get behind this, the traffic yeah. commissioners to get behind this, they would need more funding. There will be a lot that needs changing. But... I'd like to see it. You know, I, I think 
for those operators like ourselves that have an O license, run a mixed fleet, we know the system. So adding the smaller vans, three and a half ton vans, I don't think it would be too onerous for us. Yeah, yeah. And it can only be good for the industry. I think so. You know, level playing field, better yeah. safety standards, as you say, can only be good. What else would you like to change then, Ed? Well, I, I would love to change the house moving process. Oh, two controversial subjects already. Part of the BAR, I know that they're a stakeholder within the um, the home buying and selling group. Yeah, There's work afoot to try and change the process, specifically money transfers and key yeah. release. For a modern world, it shouldn't be that difficult to click a button the day before you move. It sit in a secure fund and then keys. There you go. 10 o'clock, go and get the keys. 12 o'clock, whatever it be. But it's always been talked about key delays, the problems of, and I'm realistic. We could do another podcast in five years and I think we'd still be <laughs> discussing. And the key waiver is then affecting the staff as well, because if you've got key issues, the staff aren't getting back till late at night. And then they're missing their family. And then they're like, this is going on far too much. And it's not your problem. It's not their problem. But it needs to be made a lot better. And that's another reason why we've changed our approach on moves. We'll still do on and on and on and off move. But more often than not, we won't plan to deliver everything on completion day. Let's just yeah. plan it to come in the day before. If they get it all off because keys have come through early, lovely. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't, they get keys at four o'clock. You get your beds, your essentials. They're probably home by six o'clock, a little bit later than normal, but it's not the eight, nine o'clocks that, you know, I seem to recall why we're doing quite a lot when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. I'll forward this podcast to a national councillor. Okay. See if he can forward it to the VAR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give yourself just starting out in the industry again? I would tell myself to save more money when you're younger. <laughs> I don't know if I can say this. Don't piss it up the wall. <laughs> or spend it on kebabs. <laughs> or kebabs. One normally leads to the other. Exactly. And, and I think I'd also tell myself, embrace every opportunity. Yeah. There are some good opportunities. Absolutely. And go for it. What's your most favourite opportunity that you embrace? Well, absolutely. Progressing through the management side of things. Yeah. You know, I very much enjoy, and I still go out on the road when I need to, and I love being out on the road in my younger days. But um, to progress and to uh, look after the day-to-day -day running of things, yeah, I very much enjoy speaking to customers, and you can just gauge that they're there to get your assistance, your professionalism, your help, and you finish a phone call, and you know that you've done a, you've helped that person, and yeah. hopefully planted the seed that they use you for the business, but. Um, that's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years? Let's deal with yourself first. So myself, uh, well, unless anything catastrophic happens, I, I still hope to be here looking after operations. Yeah. I think as a company and me part of that, we'll still be offering the same services. Hopefully we will expand our storage offering, certainly, if we can find premises. Yeah because that is a key part of, of a regular income, isn't it? I take it that would be the self-storage side? Yeah, I think self-storage is, is naturally 
developing more. We're very fortunate that there are some big players, not removal company players, self-storage players, who do a lot yeah. of advertising that we benefit from. Really? You know, they plant the seed for self-storage. We yeah. could never afford to do national newspaper adverts and marketing campaigns. And the nature of self-storage, if, if it plants the seed in someone's mind, then yeah. they will look to use a local provider because I don't think they want to travel 10, 15 miles to a self-store. They want one in their town. So they'll literally go onto Google and Google yeah. self-storage, East Grinstead and bingo. Up we pop, yeah. yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. More generally, I think the electric vehicle rollout, well, it's coming, apparently. I'm not quite sure that uh, as an industry we're ready for it. I think as a nation, I'm not quite think the infrastructure is not there. No. I was speaking to um, to someone a couple of weeks ago, and as they said, there's not enough electricity going through the ground into these terminals to charge our fleet, let alone all the cars and everything else. And I was envisaging, you know, doing a long distance move to a remote area, 18 ton truck. It's not got a huge battery life. Just saying to Mrs. Jones or whoever, so we won't be going now. We've just got to plug into your uh, to your your electric charging point for twelve hours to give us enough juice to get home. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I can imagine it. The infrastructure is not there. We go all over as a removals industry, not just on the main routes. Yes, I'm sure the infrastructure will be there at the motorway services, but uh, it's not there yet. So let's wait and see. And you can't exactly just plug into someone's electricity. No. Because they're going to say, well, if you're going to be plugged in for 12 hours, I'm going to charge you for that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's not professional, is it? And plugging into someone's three-pin socket's not going to work. It needs to be a proper exactly high-voltage, high-whatever charging point. And not many domestic properties have those. A lot of them have got, uh, or more and more are getting the sort of standard charging points. But even those yeah. for a car, it's a... It's an eight, 10 hour charge time, let alone a lorry. And have you seen the size of that Tesla lorry? Yeah. Elon's Tesla lorry. It's huge. It would be nice to have. It'd be a statement, wouldn't it? Definitely. But it's huge. It's big. So that, that's certainly a challenge, I think, for industry and all industries over the next five years. More of getting the preparation. I wonder how it would work in an 18 ton truck, though. Let's see what the future holds. You can imagine as well, you know, that the crews come back late at night with some charge and they forget to plug in overnight. I know, that'd be horrific. You go to go out in the morning and realise you've got a, not a long journey, 50 mile round journey, and you've got 40 miles worth of juice. Sorry, we're going to be a bit late this morning. The van's on charge. (laughs) I can't wait for that excuse. No. no. Uh, having our computers are down is a good enough one, but yeah. now, <laughs> now our vehicle doesn't have enough juice. <laughs> oh dear. Any other changes in the industry? Um, moving will always be moving, won't yeah. it? We're not going to have anything to replace that. I don't think a robot will do our job for any time soon. Yeah, there might be aspects of it that can be uh, automated, but uh, not really. I'm very much of the opinion that we build a relationship with the customer, ideally by going to see them face-to-face. Certainly for our core clientele, they want to be seen face-to-face. They want the encouragement, the support, and more often than not, that's what we do. Hopefully, 
personally, I'll still be involved with the BAR in some capacity, probably still a Sussex area National Council rep, but uh, who knows where else. Is that a fixed contract length or a fixed term, I should say? Seems in- indefinite. It's a two-year period <laughs> that you volunteer for. So it can just roll on? It can roll. Um, oh, right. You don't have to hand over. Ah, cool. Certainly in our area, we've got a good team. Yeah. Good chairman, good secretary, myself, and we get on quite well. We have good meetings and it, it works. Other areas are a bit more struggling, but uh, ours is doing all right. Yeah. We always have good turnout at our southern area. Yeah. That's always a good turnout. But yeah, you're right. Some areas are struggling. Other areas are booming. Yeah. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? Uh, I like to travel. Wife and I quite like weekends away, nights away, whatever, just different places. I like a drive. Cayman Islands. Yeah, that would do. (laughs) I did stupidly suggest that I might take her to that one, but um, it didn't happen. So uh, my name was mud for a little while. Yeah, traveling in this country, abroad if we can. My children are getting a bit older. They can be left. Try to enjoy some quality time with them as much as you can. Before you know it, I guess they'll be on to their own things and who knows where. I quite like to cook a bottle of wine and some new ingredients, new recipes. See you in a couple of hours. That's quite quite therapeutic. A few colleagues and myself, we go go go-karting. As much as we can, normally once once a month or once every other month. Did you do the go-karting at the BAR conference? I did indeed, yes. Did you win that? I did, unfortunately. Yes. I thought you did. Yeah. That was more of a case of how long can I hold people off for? Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the people at the uh, track said they'd never seen a race like it. You know, after 20 minutes, I'd won by 18 hundredths of a second from second. Wow. And it was literally four or five cars in a line for 20 minutes and um it was hard work they're quicker than me but they just couldn't get past yeah that was fun it's good and the thing about go-karting for that 20 30 minute you forget about everything yeah nothing else goes through your mind you could have had a crap day at work yeah got an issue brewing be it staff or customer and for that little period nothing else goes through your mind apart from racing yeah and that's quite nice I know exactly where you're coming from because I do sim racing. Okay. So I have my own sim rig. So it's got four monitors and I literally sit there and I put my headphones on and I'm away. So every Thursday night I sim race, but it's like a two to three hour event. The race is only 25 minutes, but you've got all your practicing, you're qualifying. But when those headphones are on, you're in a different world. Yeah, it's good. It's real escapism. And we all need a bit of that. Oh, absolutely. And finally, I like to end my podcast with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned um, traveling to Europe previously on on moves, and I can remember many years ago, and I just started dating my now wife and thought it'd be a nice idea to offer her a trip to Portugal. Happy days. She thinks she's uh, onto a good thing. A couple of weeks beforehand, at that point, I dropped it. We're in a lorry, by the way. (laughs) To which was, oh, okay. She knew what I did, but uh, there we go. That would be all right. And we had it nicely planned. My boss and myself, big job to Portugal. 
other jobs as well. So two trucks going, we'll both take our girlfriends at the time. <laughs> Week before we go, oh dear, one of the jobs has cancelled. We can't tell the girls they're not coming. We'll have them all in the same cab. So four oh. of us in a cab for a week to Portugal and back. First three nights were pretty awkward because there's two beds upstairs and we were so round in the back, nowhere to sleep in the back. So two across the seats on the way home was slightly better because at least they had the back of the truck to go in. She still um, reminds me of our first holiday together in Portugal. Um, so that that was one. So now when you go on holiday, does she ask whether a truck's involved or not? Clear to say if we're going to Europe, I'll show her the EasyJet booking. <laughs> Brilliant. Another, sometimes these stories seem funny to you, maybe not to anyone else. I can remember the first time we did some TV work. It was uh, many years ago before um, all the popular home DIY shows and things. I can't even remember the name of the program, but Leslie Grantham, Dirty Den, was presenting it. <laughs> Never met him because you didn't need to. And I can remember filling out this uh, storage container, being filmed doing it, hot day, and I can feel this camera behind me and I can feel the wind whistling around the top of my bum. Uh, <laughs> slightly sweaty, hairy bottom. <laughs> and sure enough, my TV debut came. Everybody's there, TV cassette set to record, and all you see is my hairy ass crack. <laughs> Which is... Uh, uh, Proud family moment. Um, there we go. And uh, I suppose if I have one more, it's the word banter these days is a little bit frowned upon. <laughs> but 10, 20 years ago, banter was, was a daily thing. Oh, absolutely. And I can remember many of us out on a job. I went to a young porter and I said to him, um, would you just go and ask the lady where this particular item of furniture is going? He said, okay, no problem, eager as he was. I said, could you just go and ask her where she wants the girth? <laughs> so he goes in to see the lady customer. Excuse me, madam, where would you like the girth? <laughs> We're all then rolling a little bit in fits. And he says, I don't know what it's all about. Ed said, the girth's <laughs> coming. Where do you want it? So I had to explain to him that he, he was uh, unfortunately subject to a wind-up. <laughs> probably not for a bit frowned upon now to be honest i probably shouldn't say it but there we go <laughs> uh you can't get away with things these days like you no. could do in the old days no really can't well ed thank you very much for giving up your time this afternoon to record an episode of moving matters with me i truly appreciate it okay thank you colin thanks for the invite you're very welcome cheers now I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 71 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Edward Kessel of Martells of Sutton for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Ed. If you would like to know more about Martells of Sutton and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. 
And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. But before I go, the Removals Masterclass, a five-day BAR residential training course, will run from November 6th to 10th. It is a course I have attended myself and I highly recommend, so any interested parties, please contact BAR Training for further information. And I'm delighted to announce that the BAR Young Movers Group Conference will be held on October 19th and 20th in the wonderful city of Liverpool. So if you are under 40 or have some young blood in your company, get them signed up to the Young Movers Group and register for the forthcoming conference. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving. <laughs>